0: Amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Awesome. Are you glad to be here? Awesome. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, I'm so glad you got to sit by me. Why don't you tell them that? Awesome. What a joy it is to be here. As pastors already said, my name is uh, Shane Pruitt. It's an honor to be here. Um, I was able to preach Flight Week uh, in 2016, so I'm honored to be able to do it. Again, and what an honor to be with you this morning. I wanna tell you, every week, I'm in multiple different churches. I preach in multiple different churches on a weekly basis. And I wanna tell you, a good pastor and a good leader is a gift from the Lord. And I wanna tell you, church, I mean this with all my heart, you have one of my favorite pastors, not just in the state, but literally in the nation. So, (laughs) praise the Lord for your pastor and his heart uh, for reaching lost people. Uh, Texas is home to 18 million people who do not identify with the local church. Once you think about that, we're no longer the Bible Belt. That belt has busted with lostness. And if those 18 million people created their own state, it'd be the fifth largest state in the nation. This is a mission field. And so I praise God for churches like First Uless who literally want to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and you show up by your actions. And one of our great partnerships is one conversation and can we talk uh, with Matthew Tyson? And so we love that ministry and that outreach and we love being a a part of it. Also, I'm thankful for so many uh, leaders in this church. I have friends that attend this church. So what an honor to be here. Uh, I wanna tell you about my most important ministry first, and that is my family. I have a wonderful wife named Casey. And in September, we celebrate our 14th wedding anniversary. Uh, We have, yeah, praise the Lord, hallelujah for that, all right? And we also have five kids that are 12 and under. That is a prayer request, amen? Uh, Our oldest is our daughter, Reagan, she's 12. Our next one down is our daughter, Harper, she's seven. Our next one down is our son, Titus. He is five and adopted from Uganda, Africa. Our next one down is our son, Elliot. He is two and adopted from the great nation of Texas, amen, all right? And then our youngest is our daughter, Glory, uh, she is one, and um, yeah, what a great life and ministry, and everything I do is from the overflow of that. And one of my favorite things to do is to speak to the next generation. I literally speak to tens of thousands of students every year, so I'm looking forward to being with your students all this week. We're gonna have a great time. But more importantly than any of that, we're gonna talk about Jesus, is that okay? Awesome, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel chapter nine. We're gonna have some fun this morning. 2 Samuel chapter nine. 2 Samuel is right after 1 Samuel. Does that help anybody? All right, 2 Samuel chapter nine. And I wanna tell you, church, uh, I I told the the early crowd the same thing this morning. They were a lot of fun. Um, I didn't become a Christian until I was 21. Um, So I remember vividly what it was like to live without Jesus. It's much better with Jesus. So I'm excited about him, passionate about him. So I'm one of those preachers. I welcome amens, praise the Lord, hallelujah. In fact, I'm gonna make a deal with you because I know it's getting close to lunchtime. For every amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah here. I'm gonna take 30 seconds off this sermon, how about that? <laughs> all right, there you go, awesome, love it. All right, this morning we're gonna talk about the legacy of a king, the legacy of a king. The camp theme all week is legacy. And as you're turning to 2 Samuel chapter nine, 2 Samuel chapter nine, I wanna give you a free gift this morning, First, you set the uh with the permission of your pastor. I've written a 30-day devotional Um, that works through the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each day is designed to take about 15 minutes. Each day tells you what to read. I write three or four paragraphs to help you think about what you read, tell you what to pray for each day. And I wanna offer this as a free gift to you. It's an ebook. So if you text my name, Shane, to 444-999 and you will receive a text message back. If you follow that response, you can get this ebook for free on your smartphone or on your tablet. If you still have a flip phone or a bag phone, we haven't developed a version for that yet, but I'm sure it's on the way, all right? All right, the legacy of a king, 2 Samuel chapter nine. Look at verse one, if you're with me, say, "Uh Uh uh-huh. If you have something to write on, go ahead and get that out. If you have something to write with, get that out, because I'm gonna share three things with you about a king this morning. Now, this story is about King David, but King David is a foreshadowing of a greater king to come, the king of all kings, named Jesus. And I wanna show you some characteristics that we're gonna see in the life of David today, but how there's a perfect picture of these characteristics in Jesus. And I look at verse one, it says, and David said, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Let me kinda set the story so we have a king named David David was actually anointed king by the Lord at an early age, yet there was another king in place named Saul. And as David matured and got older, you could see the Lord's hand on him and the Lord's favor on him, and he began to grow in popularity, and the crowds began to sing his praises. In fact, we know from Scripture there was even a song that people would sing that would say, King Saul had slain his thousands, but King David or King or or David had slain his tens of thousands. So Saul became very jealous of David. David was yet to become king, but God had already said he'd be the next king. And so Saul was very jealous of David. In fact, Saul wanted to have David killed. So David went into exile. But Saul had a son named Jonathan. Ironically, as much as Saul hated David, his son Jonathan and David were best friends. So now Saul has died, Jonathan, even the son has died, and David is king, and so David wants to show kindness to the house of Saul because of his buddy, Jonathan. Now look at verse two. It says, now there, now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant, verse three. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul? that I may show kindness of God to him. Ziba said to the king, there is a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet, he is handicapped. Verse four, the king said to him, well, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Mekir, the son of Amiel at Lodabar." Verse five, then King David sent and brought him from the house of Mekir, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. Number one, I want you to write this down. The king is merciful. The king is merciful. So David is gonna show this young man mercy. In just a moment, we're gonna find out this young man who is handicapped, crippled in his feet, has a name. His name is Mephibosheth. Turn to your neighbor and say, Mephibosheth. It's just a fun name to say. Now, there's two names in the Bible that I love. One is Mekeseldek, and the other is Mephibosheth. In fact, I tried to talk my wife into naming our firstborn son, Mekeseldek Mephibosheth Pruitt. I thought that just sounded good. She's like, it ain't happening. So we went with Titus, all right? And so a moment, you're gonna find out this young man, his name is Mephibosheth, and he's handicapped, so they literally have to carry him to the king. And David's gonna show him kindness, and is gonna show him mercy. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. What is the definition of mercy? We say it all the time, it's one of those churchy words. But what does it mean? A real simple definition of mercy is this, watch this something withheld from you that you deserve. Something withheld from you that you deserve. See, in this immediate story, Mephibosheth belongs to David's predecessor. So in this time, normally what a king would do, and everybody would accept it, is he would gather all of the family of the predecessing king and have them put to death so that none of them would try to reclaim the throne. In fact, all throughout history, we hear stories just like this, where kings would even have their brothers killed because they were paranoid, or they'd have their nephews killed. In fact, there were some even horrendous stories from histories where kings, if their sons got older and began to grow in popularity, some kings would even have their own children killed because they didn't want anyone taking the throne. And so here's Mephibosheth, and he's literally dropped in at the feet of David. And Mephibosheth is probably thinking, this is my last day to live. I deserve death because of who my ancestors are. And yet David is gonna let him live. So watch this, he's showing him mercy. If David would have had Mephibosheth killed, everyone would have accepted it, but he didn't. See, David is withholding something that Mephibosheth deserves. And you'll say, well, so what? What's the big deal? Why does that matter to me in 2018? Here's why it matters to you. Has there ever been a moment in your life where maybe you were frustrated or angry or just exhausted and you shook your fist at God and you said this, God, give me what I deserve. Look at your neighbor and say, don't ever do that, all right? Because according to Romans 6.23, what does it say? For the wages of sin is what? Death, that's what we deserve. Why? Because we are sinners, we've messed up. Anybody ever had to say the word oops before? Anybody ever made a mistake before? You're like, not me preacher, I'm a good person. Oh yeah, well the Bible says, you shall not tell a lie. So raise your hand if you've ever told a lie before. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying right now, right? Why, because we're sinners and sinners sin. Sinners justify sin, sinners hide sin, sinners compare sin. You ever done that? Well, at least I ain't as bad as old brother Bob. Everybody knows what he's up in, you know, right? Sinners sin. And the Bible says the wages or the paycheck of sin is what? Death, what we deserve is death. It's what we deserve. See, if we get on Ancestry.com, we all end up at Adam and Eve, don't we? And they rebelled against the holy God and the moment they did, they became sinners. The power of sin entered them. It became natural for them to sin. They were now separated from God. Watch this. Their spirit that lived inside of them because we are more than flesh and blood. They became spiritually dead. Their soul, their spirit died, now separated from God, meaning this. There was nothing they could do to please God. There was nothing they could do to fix that. And you're like, well, so what? That's what they did. Here's the so what, is every person who has ever been born after Adam and Eve are born sinners. One evangelist said it like this, we are born with our backs towards God and our face towards hell. And that kind of dispels a myth, doesn't it? Have you ever been talking to someone and asked them this, hey, when did you become a Christian? And they said, oh, I've always been a Christian. Listen, no one besides Jesus has always been a Christian. We are born sinners. What they mean is they've probably, for their whole life, always have gone to a building that had a steeple on top. And this is an incredible building. I love, this is amazing. But does sitting inside of here make you a Christian? Just like sitting inside a Taco Bell is not going to make you a burrito. We understand that, right? <laughs> Buildings don't make Christians. Watch this. Jesus, who is king, does. We are sinners. Separated. And everyone knows it. There's something wrong with this. How many of you agree? How many of you say, hey, Shane, there's something wrong with me. Anybody wanna admit that? What is it, sin? How many of you are sitting next to someone and there's definitely something wrong with that person? What is it? It's sin. Everyone knows it. Listen, this ain't a churchy thing. This is a truthful thing. Think about it, you can go into any bookstore. It doesn't even have to be a Christian one. You can go into Barnes and Noble. And what is the largest section in there? The self. Help section, why? Because we know we need some help. But self can't help this. Only God can solve a God-sized problem. Think about it, every world religion teaches the same thing. Let's be honest this morning. Doesn't matter if it's Hinduism, Buddhism, Taoism, Islam, they all teach the same thing, you know what they teach? There is something wrong with us. And there is a God or gods out there, and as long as you do enough good things, Pray these prayers, chant these chants, rub these beads, light these candles, possibly martyr yourself, you can reach up and maybe your God or gods will accept you. But the problem is we're spiritually dead and dead people are good at being what? If you hear anything this morning, hear this. The gospel of King Jesus is not different from other religions, it's the exact opposite. Instead of us having to reach up to our God, our great God loved us so much that he came down to us. And 2,000 years ago, the King of kings and Lord of lords who has always existed, watch this, took a mission trip from heaven to planet earth and became a man to die as a man for mankind, but he never stopped being God. Think about it, everything he did was good and awesome. We'll pick up in just a moment. Number two, write this down. The king is gracious, the king is gracious. I want you to see a picture of this in King David's life. Look at this, in verse six, you see they bring Mephibosheth there and I want you to see what happens, look at verse six, it says, and Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage, showing respect to the king. And King said, David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, behold, I'm your servant. David said to him, do not fear, for I will show you, what does your Bible say, church? Kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you. And if you have a pencil or a highlighter or a pen or lipstick, eyeliner, whatever you got, I want you to underline this next part. And you shall, what does your Bible say, church? Eat at my table always. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. In this culture, in this time, eating with someone, sitting at their dinner table was a sign of fellowship. It was a sign of a relationship. So I want you to see what David's saying. Hey, hey, hey. I'm not only, not only am I gonna let you live, but I'm giving you all your land back, all your servants back. And not only that, you're moving in with me. Like my castle is now your castle. My table is now your table. My food is your food. In a sense, he has adopted Mephibosheth into his family. Look at verse eight, and he paid homage and said, what is your servant that you should regard for a dead dog such as I. Isn't it amazing that Mephibosheth refers to himself as a dead dog? Why would he do that? Because he's probably heard that his whole life. Think about it. He's handicapped. He can't work. So people have probably told him his whole life that he doesn't matter. He's useless. They maybe even called him a dead dog. Let's talk about that for a moment. How many of you have ever been brokenhearted by someone else's words to you? How many of you have been called names before? And maybe you've been called names like failure, or worthless, or some other horrendous name. At the end of the day, It doesn't matter what names other people call you. The only name that matters is Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And the only thing matters is what he calls you. And he calls you a son of the living God and a daughter of the living God. And he is gracious. And here's the beautiful thing is we don't deserve it. So here's what grace is. I want you to write this down. So, we gave a definition for gr- a mercy. Here's a definition for grace. Now, grace is another word we sing all the time in church. We talk about how amazing grace is. We name our kids grace. What does that mean? Grace is the exact opposite of mercy. See, mercy is withholding something someone deserves, for the wages of sin is death. Grace is the exact opposite of that. Watch this. Grace is Giving something to you that you do not deserve. Do you see the difference? Mercy is withholding something you do deserve. Grace is giving you something you don't deserve. So you see Romans 6:23. "For the wages of sin is what? Death, comma, but, aren't you thankful for those big buts in Scripture? But what? The free. Gift, what you don't deserve, is of God, is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ, what? Our Lord. We deserve death. Jesus desires to give us life. So let's pick up where we left off. Jesus comes on planet Earth, fully God, fully man. Everything he does is good and awesome. He lives the perfect life that you and I cannot live, this sin-free life, think about it. Causes the blind to see. Causes the deaf to hear. Causes the handicapped to get up and walk. That one's very personal to our family. Our five-year-old son's in a wheelchair. He walked on water. He calmed the storm with his voice. He fed over 5,000 people with two fish sandwiches. Listen, Subway has nothing on that brother, amen? He called Lazarus from the dead. I love that in John 11. He said, Lazarus, come forth, and he did. You know why I love that story? Is if you have a King James Bible, It says they rolled the stone away, Lazarus was dead for four days, and it said he stinketh. (laughs) Listen, if you stinketh, you dead, right? (laughs) He said, Lazarus, come forth, and he did. You know why I love that story? Because our Jesus, our king, the king of all kings, has such power over the grave that standing in a cemetery, if he would have only said arise, then every person would have come out of their graves. (laughs) See, we have the perfect king David was a great king, but he was a broken king. We have the perfect king, and our king has a name, and that name is what? Jesus. Jesus. And watch this. That king took your place on the cross. Turn to your neighbor and say, your place. Don't ever get over that. No matter how long you've been a Christian, we don't mature past the gospel. We mature in the gospel. Don't ever get over that. Jesus took our place on the cross, We were sinners, he was sinless, we deserve to be there. We are broken, he is perfect, we deserve to be there. We are spiritually dead, he is life, we deserve to be there, but our great king named Jesus took our place. When they shoved a crown of thorns on his head, that should have been me. When they spit in his face, that should have been you. When they nailed him to the cross, that should have been us, but our king took our place as the perfect sacrifice of our sin and as the perfect substitute of our sin, our king, Jesus, hung there and paid his all. Amen. And they took his lifeless body off the cross and they put it in a borrowed grave. Listen, friends, you know why they put the body of Jesus in a borrowed grave? Because he wasn't gonna stay there long, baby. Because <laughs> three days later, he did what Buddha did not do, he did what Muhammad did not do, he did what Joseph Smith of Mormonism did not do. Our Jesus busted out of the grave. The grave could not hold this king. Conquered sin, conquered death, made the way possible to know God again showed himself for 40 literal days, climbed on top of a mountain right before his disciples, he ascends into heaven, boom, like a bottle rocket, goes through the gates of pearl, down the streets of gold, through the singing angels and the bowing elders, and Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father on the throne, and you know who belongs on thrones? Kings do. He sat down as King of kings and Lord of lords. All throughout history, there's been great kings, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, King Henry VIII, King James, not LeBron, but the real King James, (laughs) King David, if you've ever seen the movie The Sandlot, the King of Clout, who is that? Babe Ruth, or the King of Rock, who is that? Elvis, or the King of Pop, Michael Jackson, or the Burger King, (laughs) or the King of Annoyance, Justin Bieber, they will all bow (laughs) before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he is King. And why did he sit down? Not because he needed a Starbucks break. He sat down because three very important words he said on the cross. What is it first, you? It is what? Finished. But that's not the end of the story. Because one day, the trumpet's gonna blast, the angels are gonna shout, and Jesus is coming back for his church. Do you believe that? People ask all the time, when is he coming back? I don't know. One thing I do know is today is a heck of a lot closer than yesterday was. I love what one evangelist said. He said, the angel Gabriel's gonna toot and we're gonna scoot. That's cool, I like that. But who's the church? Anybody who hears about this king and repent and believes, means they turn from sin. Remember how I said we were born with our backs towards God and our face towards hell? We hear this message of mercy and grace. We turn from sin and we turn to a savior, King Jesus. We place our trust in him. And the moment we place our trust in him, he places his Holy Spirit in us. The same power that ripped Jesus out of the grave now lives in us. You could say it like this, God loves you so much that he gave you his very best, himself. You get God, and when the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, you get love, you didn't deserve that. You get forgiveness of past, present, future sins, you didn't deserve that. You get peace, you didn't deserve that. You get hope, you didn't deserve that and you get eternal life, you didn't deserve that. It's all by the grace of King Jesus. Watch this, when the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, that soul, that spirit that was spiritually dead now becomes spiritually alive to never die again. See, the grace and the mercy of King Jesus is not about making good people better. It's about making dead people alive and only the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, can do that. He is the greatest of all. Number three, write this down and we'll be done. You know what it means when a preacher says he's almost done? <laughs> Not much, but we're almost done, all right? Number three, write this down. The king's grace and mercy covers us. Uh-oh. The king's grace and mercy covers us. There's a beautiful picture here. Look at verse nine. It says, then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, all that belong to Saul and to all his house I've given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But for Mephibosheth, turn to your neighbor and say, but Mephibosheth, look at this. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table sometimes. She'll eat at my table when everything is easy. She'll eat at my table what? Always, don't forget, that's a sign of fellowship. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Verse 11, then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the what? King's sons, I want you to write that down or underline that. See, Mephibosheth called himself a dead dog. David called him a son of the king. See, the grace and mercy of the king changes our identity, doesn't it? See, the Bible says we were born sinners. We meet King Jesus, and the Bible calls us a saint. Did you know that? Did you know you're a saint of God? Saints aren't just people in old paintings with halos on their heads. Saints aren't just a football team in New Orleans. Because of the grace and the mercy of King Jesus, you're a saint. Tell to your neighbor and go, what's up, saint? Tell them that, hey. See, meeting King David and having a relationship with King David made Mephibosheth, who once referred to himself as a dead dog, now he's the son of the king. See, relationships with the king changes who you are. See, the Bible says we were lost, but the grace and mercy of King Jesus makes us found. See, we were orphans because of sin, but the grace and mercy of King Jesus makes us sons and daughters of God. See, we were dead, but the grace and mercy of King Jesus makes us what? Alive. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Look at verse 12. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. Verse 13, so Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he what? Always ate at what? At the king's table. Now he was lame in both of his feet. I love that they don't let us forget that he was handicapped, that he was lame in his feet. But I wanna show you a beautiful picture. See, eating at the table with the king means you have a relationship with the king. It means you're fellowshipping with the king. And it's only by the grace and the mercy of the king that Mephibosheth gets to be at the table. But here's the beautiful thing about being at a table. I want you to see this table up here. That's a good-looking table, isn't it? Hey, I bet on this table they, they, uh, they put out some steak. Any uh, fans of steaks, all right? I bet on this table they put out some tacos. <laughs> I bet on this table they put out some Tex-Mex. That's a gift from the Lord, amen? I bet on this table they put out some lobster tails. And you're like, and all you vegetarians are like, well, what about salads? Listen. If the Lord did not want us to eat animals, he wouldn't have made them out of meat. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. <laughs> so I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Here's what I want you to notice about this table. This Mephibosheth is handicapped. Don't miss this. It's beautiful. He's lame in his feet. I bet every morning, every afternoon, every evening they have to carry him to the table. But watch this. When they sit him at the table and put him in a chair and they scoot his chair up to the table and he's in the presence of King David, what does this table do? See, Mephibosheth is handicapped where? In his feet. But when he's sitting at the table, watch this, the table is covering his handicap. See, the grace and mercy of King Jesus covers our failures, covers our handicaps. Anybody, and we begin the sermon, let's end the sermon like this. Anybody ever had to say the word oops before? Anybody ever made some bad decisions before? Anybody got some scars and wounds from some bad decisions? Anybody got some handicaps? Anybody got some things they're not proud of? There's no holier than thou's in here. But here's the great thing is when you are in relationship with the king of all kings, Jesus, that means you are fellowshipping with him. And when you're in a relationship and fellowship with King Jesus, and you've been made one with him again, his grace and mercy and the table of his blessings covers all of your fears, handicaps, and failures. Only King Jesus can do that in your life. He's a good king. Do you know that king? He's the king of all kings. Our son Titus, and I close with this, is five. I mentioned earlier, he's in a wheelchair. He suffers from cerebral palsy and a seizure disorder. Uh, He can't walk, he can't talk, he, he can't even sit up. It's amazing what God's done in his life though to impact us and many others. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't have a lot of dreams at night. How many of you have like dreams at night? Like you're one, you have a lot of dreams. How many of you are like me, you don't really have a lot of dreams? All right, I don't. But when I do, it's always the same dream, and I don't know what it is. I'm just being transparent, honest with you. The same dream I always have is this my son Titus running and laughing and playing. So I don't know what God's doing. I don't know if God's telling me that he's gonna heal him here on earth. How many of you believe that God can heal? Do you believe that? I believe that every day we lay hands and pray on him that God would heal him. And you know what's amazing about that? The irony and all that is every day when we're praying for King Jesus to heal our son, King Jesus is using our son to heal us. So maybe he will run laugh and play here on earth. But even if not, this is not our home. We are just passing through. There's gonna be a new heaven and a new earth, and there will be a kingdom that we enjoy forever. And we will get the fellowship with King Jesus forever. And because of the grace and the mercy of that King Jesus is that there will be a day where our son will laugh and play and run because he will be in the perfect presence of King Jesus And there will be no more fears, there will be no more handicaps. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad there will be (laughs) no handicap parking in heaven? Aren't you glad there will be no insurance co-pays in heaven? (laughs) Because there'll be no more suffering, there'll be no more death, there'll be no more mourning, there'll be no more crying, there'll be no more evil, there'll be no more destruction. There will only be the fellowship and the worship and the relationship that we get to have with King Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever, amen. Do you know that King? To quote the great S.M. Lockridge, do you know that King? He is the King of all Kings. He is the King of grace. He is the King of mercy. He is the king whose grace and mercy covers our failures. Do you know that king? See, the Bible says, my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. See, that's my king. My king has a name and his name is what? Jesus. I wonder, do you know him? See, my king named Jesus is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong, he's entirely sincere, he's eternally steadfast, he's immortally graceful, and he's imperially powerful, and he's impartially merciful. Do you know that king named Jesus? See, he's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son, he's a sinner savior, he's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient Savior. Do you know that King Jesus? See, that King Jesus supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and he sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleansed the leopards, he forgives sinners, he discharged debtors, he delivers the captive, he defends the feeble, he blesses the young, he serves the unfortunate, he regards the age, he rewards the diligent, and he beautifies the meek. I wonder, do you know that King Jesus? See, that King Jesus is the key of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom, he's the doorway of deliverance, he's the pathway of peace, he's the roadway of righteousness, he's the highway of holiness and He's the gateway of glory. I wonder, do you know that King Jesus, his life is matchless, his goodness is limitless, his mercy is everlasting, his love never changes, his word is enough, his grace is sufficient, his reign is righteous, his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. I wonder, do you know that King Jesus? See, here's the deal about King Jesus, is at the end of the day, first you I really do wish I could describe him for you, but he's indescribable, he's incomprehensible, he's invincible, he's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind, you can't get him off your hand, you can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him, Herod couldn't kill him, the death couldn't handle him, and the grave could not hold him. I wonder, do you know that King Jesus? Because he's a king of grace. He's a king of mercy, and his grace and mercy covers us. Do you know that King Jesus? See, at the end of the day, church, in every kingdom, there's only three people. There's the king, and that ain't me. And that ain't you, that's Jesus. And then there's two other kinds of people, those who are subjects of the King and those who are rebellion to the King. Where are you at today? Maybe you're here today and you're like, I need that King. I wanna know that King. Maybe you're here today and you go, well, I don't know if I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me. I don't know if I know the King. Let me ask you this, how can a King so big and a king so powerful speak everything into existence? How can a king and a, so big and a king so powerful overcome the grave? How can a king that big and a king that powerful live inside a little old me and you and we not know if he's there or not and be radically changed by him? So as humbly as I can, maybe you not knowing is that you do know you don't belong to him, but today you can. Maybe you're here today And you say, well, Shane, I just like to hang in the middle. Listen, I'm no Satan worshiper, but I'm not gonna be any Jesus freak. I'm not gonna be odd for God, I just hang in the middle. Hear me, there is no middle. See, this same king, when he was here on earth, said this, you're either with me or what, against me. One day, you will draw your last breath and you will stand before this king and this king will not say, great job, you hung out in the middle. He will either say, well done, good and faithful servant, or depart from me, I what? Never knew you. Oh, what a nightmarish statement. And to know at that moment, it's too late. But as long as there's life and breath in your lungs, you can confess that King is your Lord and Savior. So would you do it today? Maybe you're saying, well, I don't know if I am or not. Today you can know. So let's pray. Every head bow, every eye closed. I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come up and make themselves available across the front. We're not gonna drag this out. The Bible says this, if you believe in your heart that this king overcame the grave and you confess with your mouth that he is king and he is Lord, you would be saved. So we're just gonna trust what God says this morning. We don't have to overthink it. We don't have to overcomplicate it. We're just gonna trust what Romans ten nine says. So if you're here today and you say, Shane, I desperately wanna know this king is my savior, or I want assurance today that I'm gonna ask you to confess with me what the Bible says. Listen, there's no magic in a prayer. You could pray every day and still be lost. What matters is that you mean it with your heart and you believe that God is speaking to you this morning. And if today is the day for you and you believe God's speaking, I just want you to confess what is in our heart. And so maybe you just confess something like this. Just say, God, thank you for creating me, but I've made some mistakes. I realize that sin has separated me from you. But today, I heard about King Jesus. So I thank you for his life, his death, and his resurrection. And I believe he is king. So today I'm turning it all over to the king. So God, would you come and live inside of me? Would you forgive me of sin? me for the rest of my life to follow and worship the king god thank you for saving me with every head bow and I close if you're here this morning and you say shane i confess that with you or i know i need to we're not going to do anything to embarrass you i just want to recognize who you are if you confess that with me or you know you need to would you just look up and meet eyes with me and by doing that you're saying shane that's me just look up meet eyes with me Keep looking you guys serious about that? Just nod. Keep looking up at me. You guys serious about that? Over here? What about in the balcony? Yeah. I see you. I see you. guys serious about that? Just nod. Just nod. Say yep. Yeah. Over here in this section. See you? Keep looking up at me. Yep. Yeah. Over in this section. Keep looking at me. I see you. I see you. Keep looking up at me. Yep. Yeah. Over here in this section. Keep looking up at me. That's you. That's you, miss. Awesome. Yeah, keep looking up at me. This you over here? Over here? Awesome. Keep looking. If you're looking up at me or you know you need to, listen, we don't do anything alone. We're not gonna do anything to embarrass you. We just wanna talk to you and pray with you. So right now, if you're looking up at me while no one else is, and you're looking up at me because you confess or you know you need to, right now, right where you're at, I want you to just start making your way forward. Right now, just come on, just stand up. Just stand up, come on, come on, just stand up and begin to make your way forward to one of these counselors. I see you, come on, come on. People are moving, come on, come on. Yeah, give it a hand of the Lord. Come on, come on, people are coming. Students, I see you, I see you students, come on, come on students. Yeah, up there in the balcony, come on, people are coming, people are coming, come on, come with them, come. Grab one of these leaders by the hand, they just wanna talk to you and pray with you. I see messages keep coming, come on. Hey, this is the most important thing, come on. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Shane, I know without a doubt I know King Jesus, but I've gotten wayward. I began to chase other things, I began to worship other things, I began to follow other things, but today, the Lord has spoken to me, and today is the day I am turning it back over to King Jesus. Today is the day I'm repenting, and putting my focus back on King Jesus. If that's you, would you just say, Shane, I know without a doubt, I know King Jesus, but today is the day that I'm turning my life back towards him, and today is the day that I'm recommitting towards him. If that's you, would you just look up and meet eyes with me, and put your hands in the air? If that's you, would you just come so people can pray with you? You just start making your way, come on, come on, come on. We'll make room for you, come on. If that's you, come on. Other than that, I'm gonna pray And I say amen, the moment I say amen, if you wanna come up to the stage and pray, do that. If you wanna just pray at your seat, do that. If you wanna just sing, do that. But let's pray for those who've come and pray for the leaders who are speaking to them. And can we just give the Lord a hand for what He's doing this morning? And hey, we're making room for you. Hey, so I'm gonna pray and say amen. And the moment I say amen, if you need to come, and maybe you just need prayer this morning, or if you need to make some kind of decision, or God's just speaking to you, or you're burdened for someone else, You just come this morning, we'll make room for you, all right? As soon as I say amen, you come. Father, you are good. Jesus, you are good. Holy Spirit, you are good. We thank you for what you're doing. God, what a privilege it is to call you Father. Jesus, what a privilege it is to call you King. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you open our eyes to a need of a King, and that you dwell inside of us, making us the church. And God, as great as this morning's been because of King Jesus, because the Holy Spirit of God, we get to worship together for all eternity. God, I pray that everything we say and do as we leave this building would be about your name, your fame, and your glory, because you deserve that. And we pray this in the precious name of King Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and the church at First said, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. You come as you come.